Hey Zen friends, welcome to Crazy Zen Life. I'm your host, Brittany Swan. And I'm your host, Shannon Kessler. Join us as we navigate life on and off our yoga mats. This is a podcast about mom life, boss life, and body life. Real conversations about self-discovery and the journey of becoming more mindful in this crazy Zen life. glad that you're back home. You don't like when I'm away. I really don't like when you're away. I'm so used to you being away sometimes. <laughs> I was like, I'm so good. And, but then when I'm away, I feel like you go through I do. moments of I despair. Mean, you were gone. Dan was gone. I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with myself. What's happening? I know. And see, I was, I was like, you know, I'm not going to Marco her. I'm going to let her just do her thing. Have a good weekend. You, you would not want to see those Marcos. Well, after hearing your stories, I'm like, tell me more. Did you video any of it? I need to hear <laughs> Well, one thing I did want to share with our listeners, I did that indoor skydiving. Okay, wait, just to back up, you were in Chicago. I was in Chicago for Landon's 40th birthday. Yes. The birthday that doesn't die. Like, it does not end. (laughs) Like, I feel like I've been celebrating his birthday for five years. 40 days and 40 nights. I was like, oh, okay, this Mm -hmm. is a thing. Yeah, this is a thing. It's what we do. Anyways, (laughs) so finally it's come to a close. But one of the cool things with this indoor skydiving, didn't even know it was a thing. They have 46 locations around the United States, so... Google it. The closest one to our Louisville friends is Indy, but they're all over. It's really neat. So you go into this like air tunnel. So it's basically if you were riding around with the top down, but that top down had 124 mile an hour wind coming at you. Right. And but you can really literally like suspend over the net. Shoot. Yeah. It was interesting. I I really enjoyed it. Our whole group did it. I purposely didn't drink that day before going into it. Some of the other people did. Oh. I'm not, I'm just gonna say, some worked out, some didn't. But I mean, can you vomit at 120 miles an hour of wind? Because I'm pretty sure it's gonna go right back in your face, right? Or against the plexiglass. Like, oh, did that happen? I don't. Oh, okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, no, no. No one threw up. No one threw up. But I'm just. <laughs> but I did have these visions. I'm like, was. The third glass of champagne a good idea? Like, I, who knows? I didn't do it. I was like, no. Because after having three children, my stomach sometimes isn't always, for some whatever reason. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have had to have kids to still feel like I'm going to vomit if I'm It's just like the, the air. You know, feeling like I'm going to drop out of a plane. But anyways, Google it. Check it out. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone should try it once. I now don't have to fill that bucket of jumping out of a plane. Oh, you're good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is it? Okay, fine. Safe to confine. I had a helmet on. Right. I, felt le- I felt legit. <laughs> did you wear the goggles? I did. Oh, yeah. You're done. Okay, really done quickly, done. though. Yeah. Landon, which I love, and honey, I love you, but his head is so big that mm. there, was like, those too. there was like, <laughs> the goggles were so <laughs> tight that he had the red marks for hours. And like, I'm like sitting there looking at him. I'm like, we we did that five hours ago. How tight were I mean, he's like, yeah, my eyeballs are like popping. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. But this episode is popping. This episode is popping. I am super stoked today. We are talking with Jenna Ahern, who is the founder and president of Guardian Owl. It is a an SEO company, which is search engine optimization. And if you don't know much about the SEO, you need to Google it. <laughs> Google Guardian Owl, and she will walk you through all of it because it is amazing. If you do own a business, it is crucial that you have a substantial SEO plan in mm-hmm. place because it is because the interwebs the interwebs are aren't going anywhere, and you want to make sure that you your company is landing where it needs to land to get the exposure. So, so Jenna, Jenna, thanks for having me. Thank you. For coming in. This is Seriously, great. this is like a privilege. I feel like. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm just so excited, as Yay. you guys know, <laughs> from earlier. We already feel like we're best friends with Jenna. Yeah, yeah Jenna's amazing. I mean, I, I've had a girl crush on Jenna for a long time. She's, Stop she's, it. She's Stop. safe. Yeah. Mine, mine's I about, like, like, 12, 15 hours, but yeah. I feel like... We're now, on the same wavelength. Now I'm, yeah. like, dating. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Like, oh, my gosh. I'm in. Else? Yeah. We're going to get sushi after gonna, this. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Stop <laughs> it. I will cancel plans. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, first things first. No, seriously, Yay. thank you so much for Absolutely. having me on this podcast. Well, thanks for coming. And um, just share with us a little bit about what Guardian Owl is and how you have grown it to be what it is. Oh, my gosh. Well, it certainly was a team effort in the growth, not just me. I feel like oftentimes, you know, you're the captain of the ship, but, I mean, there's a team steering, you know, behind you and beside you. And so um, it was a journey. I'm originally from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and got made my way to Louisville through field hockey. So I played for the University of Louisville from 06 to 2010. And f- from there, I actually got into the automotive space. So I came from a single mom household, very little security blanket during and post college. And so through, you know, the utilizing the resources presented to you from a student athlete, I was able to network and get internships and secured a position post college in the automotive promotion area. So how much do you guys know about automotive? Well, like, okay. So when I was reading four tires, of, yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> Reading a little bit about, um, I think this was in your Forbes article, which is super badass that you have a Forbes article, <laughs> by the way, um, that you were with the Kelly Blue Book and then yep. Auto Traders, was mm-hmm. that correct? Autotrader.com. Yeah. Yes. So two like huge names. Oh my gosh. Automotive. Yeah. I, so first of all, I love cars. So I grew up like 15 minutes from the world's largest automotive um, aftermarket at Mannheim Auto Auction. Really? So yeah, so I mean when you trade in your vehicle, if the dealer doesn't want it, they can sell it to Mannheim and Mannheim okay. will come pick it up and then another dealer can go into the lane and bid on it and then have it on their lot and sell you the car. So, you know, my mom actually drove vehicles, you know, through the lane at Mannheim Auto Auctions. And so for me, cars were just such a part of, you know, culture there and they employed so much of the community and to mm-hmm. me they were like the community the bread and butter that I mean yeah. they were the ones that did you know the 5k runs yeah. the you know hot dog you know cookout on Saturdays and it was just you know coming from a small town to me such like a comforting industry as crazy as that sounds because it's very male dominated and so I helped run service and sales promotion campaigns for dealerships and I just again you know if you work hard some opportunities kind of cross your path and I got to manage all the BMW, Mercedes, and um, mini dealerships in Georgia and Florida for a company here, JNL Marketing. Oh, wow. So that was like my first, okay. it was, I was thrown into, you know, identity crisis, leaving division one sports. <laughs> I'm in this male dominated industry and I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. And, you know, I'm selling and dealing with rejection every day. And so that really helped me grow some thick skin and learn kind of the art of the sale, if you will, in a very, you know, comforting industry for me, but also very uncomfortable role. Yes, very uncomfortable. And so um, from there, I actually, I really liked the fixed op side of automotive. So, you know, you think about um, 
I, changing a tire, you know, checking your oil, things that people now don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. You know, my mm-hmm. uncles, that was something you just knew how to do. I mean, yeah. you knew how to change a tire. And even if you were a girl in the family, like you just knew. And so I left that position and went to work for American Tire Distributors. And so I was the liaison. Oh my God, my dad used to work for them. ATD? Stop yes. it. Oh my gosh. No we're way. best friends. Like yes. We're feeling I mean, okay, yeah, okay. Well, My girl crushed my best friend. Or there you go. I mean, yeah. Yes. Recently so, retired. From- stop it. Mm-hmm. Okay. ATD family is like, yeah. I, so he would travel oh. around to all the tire distributors yes. yeah, and sell the tires. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I went and worked with those distribution centers. He probably did independent. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was on the dealer side he probably worked at national turnpike right there off of the, i don't know where he reported out of that's a good question okay I, i'm sure he'll, they'll listen because they listen yeah i'm sure that he'll he'll text me oh, like well please. this is actually how it i mean i would i wasn't too aware of like who where he reported but yeah okay i mean he because he loved to drive he loves to drive for a yes. living so he just drive around the same. I so that so a lot of people kind of thought that that in like even my family was like so you're selling tires like what are you doing like taking kind of like this <laughs> step into and, and I'm like but I love this side of the industry because you learn so much. Mm-hmm. Fixed stops actually you know for a dealership supports uh, supports them. I mean if you have a high absorption rate you know as a fixed stops manager you start the month almost at a profit where you're not dependent on you know, car Mm -hmm. sales. So ATD, I was able to be the liaison between dealerships, the distribution centers. So here in Louisville, it's off National Turnpike. There's one in Canton, Ohio, you know, I helped oversee and then Charleston, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. So um, this, you know, five foot five, you know, hundred pound (laughs) little girl was going into hazard and telling these parts managers how we need to be more efficient and what we're buying in inventory and what we're stocking so that the dealer made more money. And so to me, it was like, you know, dealing with family every day because walking into the drive to me like smelling tires smelling like automotive it was you know it's humble pie every day and it makes you really appreciate a lot because I mean if you go into a dealership everyone there's working six days a week you know and they're every not, cent matters every cent yeah yes. where it's going whether it's five to ten like it's like that's that is their bread and butter too absolutely mm-hmm. and and they use, usually give back you know and so to the community in a lot of ways and so I just, to me, that was such a, a, most people thought like a step back, but to me, a step forward because I built a lot of relationships in those Kentucky, West Virginia, you yeah. know, Ohio, and um, a lot of trust in, you know, my skill set and confidence in what I was doing and what I understood about, the, you know, the business economics and, and that side of it. And so then from there, I actually was really missing marketing. And so I jumped to a search engine marketing firm, very unknown, but they were starting to appear to me in like automotive success, automotive news. And I'm like, mm-hmm. who are these people like Mm -hmm. they're killing the game selling these google ads and so i you know reached out to the company kind of connected on linkedin they reached back out and got that position super unqualified um but literally from there fell in love with search engine marketing and so fast forward from what was it about the search engine like market What, what what drew you in you know, so I was sitting there in, you know, going back to ATD, you know, in these meetings, looking at like the likes of Firestone and Ken Towery's and mm-hmm. these um, independent tire centers that were making m- so much more incremental revenue from their service work than they were tire sales. And they would start having these ads, you know, like 
come by four tires. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so they were getting people in and they were getting people in not only from the tire sale, but for alignment, for rotating the tires, for all these extra things that stole from the dealers. And so I saw these, you know, Google ads as not spam, but as a a revenue opportunity. And to me, NetSerta was the company. It just, again, you know, crossed my path. And, you know, I, again, underqualified. I didn't know anything about search engines. I studied a lot, tried to like prepare myself the best I could. But to me, that was an opportunity that would was going to stay and Google wasn't going anywhere. And I I saw that. And to me, I put a lot of trust in that and made that leap of faith to, okay, away from fixed ops and, you know, in, in automotive, but more so managing and selling these, you know, Google ads to dealers. And Around so, what year was this? Because I think that that is relation to where like Google mm-hmm. was at the time. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great question. So I, that would have been probably 2012, 2013. So I remember getting thrown out out of a dealership because I was selling these spam ads and nobody would click on, you know, the first, they, they just scroll past them, right? Well, you know. It's true, you know, people do their research organically, but when they're ready to buy, you know, if you keep coming up at the top, it's like your online billboard and thus you generate more revenue because you're there and when people are ready to buy. And so to me, it was amazing because at the time, nobody, no dealers, you know, were spending money on this. And now if you Google, you know, Jeep Grand Cherokee, Chevrolet Tahoe, you see, you know, all the dealers spending money. And that Mm -hmm. wasn't the case just back, you know, a few years ago. So. Do you ever feel like you're going to go back to those dealers? Like, see, yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Do you ever like write him a note and be like, "Hey, Frank, <laughs> hope you're doing great." Jenna, over that time. No, I went. Like, it's so. It's you know. I feel like that now. I feel like a lot of you know a lot of dealers. To me, it's all about helping. You know, going back to you know that kid in a dealership. It's just about helping these small to medium sized business owners see what hopefully you know I'm seeing. Hopefully, it's right, but ultimately get there before you know they do close down or I mean you remember a lot of business owners you know from 09 to 2011 while well, I was in college but I was also working mm-hmm. and you know, dealerships brand new dealerships were shutting down because of you know the recession and mm-hmm. that you know I never would want I never want to see that and so to me you know helping these business owners it's not just about the paycheck it's about you know I'm helping them employ more and keep their family and keep, you know, hopefully this generational dealership to that next generation or, you know, whatever business it is. And so I think a lot of times it's like so easy to like think like that, like, oh, I want to call up Joe and, you know, Charleston, West Virginia and be like, I told you so. But (laughs) I mean, at the same token, it's like, you know, that's... I don't know. That doesn't serve Joe. Yeah. So. Well, I think you said a great thing before where it's like generationally you want to help. Yeah. But this generation of using the internet for everything. So new. It's, you know, like people were so resistant. I mean, even five, six, seven years ago, they were like, yeah, I don't know. It just mm-hmm. seems like a lot of money. How am I going to gauge my return on my investment? I can't see it. No mm-hmm. one's clipping a coupon mm-hmm. and bringing it into me. And now it's like, oh. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it's like, you know, staying ahead, but also staying with and helping comfort and guide. And, you know, again, I think because the internet is so vast, you don't even know where to start. And oh. it's like, but you are a partner 
with these people. I mean, you are a Google partner. Yes. Correct? Okay. So, I mean, it's legit like having someone hold your hand, walking yes. them through like this giant maze of like, I don't know where to turn. Like, well, follow me. I will show you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and like, here's the new beta products. Yeah. Here's the something. This is coming down the pipe. You need to learn it. Like, yes. You mm-hmm. need to pass these exams. I mean, it's a constant keeping up with Google and the race, like you said, I mean, that was back in 2000, you know, 12. And so, I mean, we're in 2019, 20, and there's a lot of businesses that have never paid a dime to be on Google ads, AdWords. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I mean, in just that alone, the disruption is so quick. I mean, this is just in every industry, the internet um, has been disruptive in great ways, I think, but in a lot of um business owners who are like 55 and older, this is not something that they're used to every day, just even in their personal life. So having to get used to it in their business when they're not doing it it personally, Mm -hmm. that's a challenge and it's a huge pivot. (laughs) So I get it and I want to be there and, or, and we want to be there. And so that's, I mean, that's really what inspires me to just keep going because it's, it's hard. So, SEO is a hard yeah, sell, it is. You know? I mean, it's, like it people's... is. So how did you decide that, okay, you, you went from, you know, automotive to um, automotive ad sales. Where did you just decide to land on SEO? And you were like, okay, this makes the most sense. Well, so at NetCertive, I really, I got certified, was then the practitioner. So I was able to kind of build and run my own campaigns mm-hmm. and understand that aspect of it along with sales. And from there, I actually pivoted again because Cox Automotive knocked on my door. And in the automotive industry, that's like, wait, what? You know my name? You know? So to me, they were, that was a dream opportunity. And so I pivoted. And when I went with Cox, as long as I wasn't running ads, you know, from an automotive standpoint, I was still able to help small to medium sized businesses. Mm. So that's where Guardian Al intersected because I went and for Cox Automotive, I was essentially like a broker, I would go in and help them with, you know, the products they were already on, which Cox had, you know, a suite of 20 different products from inventory solutions to, you know, finance, some floor planning to search engine marketing. And Mm -hmm. that's where Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader came in because those were my focuses. And then I would bring in product specialists if a dealership, if that was a good plug and play, a good fit for them. And so that's where I started seeing, okay, I love search engine optimization. I kept going back to, you know, yes, you're getting traffic from AutoTrader and Kelly Blue Book, but who's doing your remarketing? Like, look at this. This is where mm-hmm. you could optimize this. And here's where, you know, you're spending $2.33, but if you spend $1.45 on this, and, you know, it's just, to me, it was so much fun and it was exploratory. And I am like a little digital nerd at heart. So <laughs> I ate it up. And I think that there were a lot of clients and people that are still with me today that saw that. And instead of kind of taking that, okay, I want to be the VP at, you know, Cox, I went, you know what, like, I want to go and, you know, take that leap of faith out and start my own and help these these small to medium sized businesses with their digital footprint because I only got one shot. Yeah. And so that was kind of where spending three years at Cox 
I took that leap and um, with Guardian Owl, the last, you know, during those three years, building it up on the small to medium sized business end, I didn't start so much from ground zero, but um, it was a step back in a lot of ways financially and, you know, emotionally. And so it was my mom actually got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer a month into that leap. So that was a huge like wait, what? (laughs) You know, because you're supposed to be so focused on, you know, going full time into your craft. And so that was a big hurdle. And so fortunately, you know, we have, I have a great circle around me and um, people in the right places and helped lift me up during that time. And Guardian Owl is, I I mean, I can't believe it is where it is right now. So it is, it's, it's amazing just to that's, I mean, so see I mean, that trans- that's a huge thing. I mean, you did, you had a, a full-time gig that was, you know, great. You were making huge strides in and you just take a step back and you're like, eh, I could do more. Yeah. I could, or just, you followed your intuition and you just kind of leaned into what felt right. And you're like, okay, this is where I need to be, which is fantastic. And now you, I mean, how many clients do you have? So we took a big, a step back right now from like overall client um, quantity mm-hmm. and more so like this was a big learning lesson, you know, mm-hmm. how much revenue do you have versus how profitable are you are as a company? Mm-hmm. And so I really looked at those numbers and we made some pretty scary moves. So we're about half the size now, but mm-hmm. at a more profitable um, margin. So, um, right now we're handling about 45 accounts and that's, yeah. And then with project work throughout each quarter. So we're really, we've really restructured kind of what our book of business looks like, the quantity of clients that we feel like we want to manage and then, okay, you know, what are our standards of, okay, we're not billing at this anymore. You know, this is our worth and this is what, if you want to you know, be part yeah. of our nest, what we need to bill at. So it was I a love transition. That part of the nest. I know, right? Yeah. Was, okay, that was really Come cute. on Thank in. You. Yeah. Oh it my is. gosh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a nest. Yeah. I mean, your family, when you, I mean, when you sign on that dotted line, we're, I mean, every day it is, you're on our mind. So we really do call it part of the nest. And we're sorry to see people go. But I mean, ultimately, it's like you can flock back, you can come back. Like Aww. we try and keep So that broken. took a little bit because I'm going back to where you said you took a leap of faith yes. to move out of your comfy, cozy spot to go into Gary now, then this probably took another leap of faith being like, I don't know if this is the right driveway to pull into, but I'm going to go for it because I'm committed to my clients. Um, I love that because that takes some grit. It does. It takes some guts. I mean, and it probably took a lot of like falling down and like skinning your knee to realize like, okay, yes, I see revenue as one thing, but why is this not translating into profit? And mm-hmm. like for you to scale back, and it's really hard when you have to cut back numbers, and you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't yeah. look right. What, is this a good idea? <laughs> like I don't know. So yeah. I mean, that's it is, and I think that there's like there's a certain sense of brand awareness, and I even like educate clients on this. You know, of your marketing budget, you know, how much is going towards brand awareness, or how much is going to, you know, selling more cars for us. You know, literally like more. Pro- I mean, higher profits, better clients. And, delivering better value. And so, you know, going back to those conversations, you know, and looking at, okay, what did the two years bring? And then just trying to learn from it. I mean, it was a lot of, okay, does this feel, this is uncomfortable, but it looks, I mean, it's right. It's not the way we I used to do things, but this is, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's better. I'm, I feel better. I'm able to, you know, d- we are able to deliver higher results. And so that's, I think, was a big stepping stone. And like you said, a leap of faith because, 
I mean, with growth, I mean, it comes a lot of mirrors and... Ooh, I, it gets uh, uncomfortable. Oh, it's yeah. so uncomfortable, don't you? I mean, you're like, ick, ew, ew. Yeah. And so I think that what came up, you know, in, in all of those leaps of faith just helped me almost level up in a way to, to that next higher self, which, again, helps best serve clients, family, you know, everybody that hopefully I touch. Yeah. So oh, I'm sure they can see it. That's yeah. the, the I think they're probably... Loving the new approach or just appreciating your your approach towards that. So how many people do you employ currently or how many people are on your team? So, okay, so we have Allison Taylor. She's our director of search engine strategy. She's here in Louisville. So we're, our office is down in Butchertown at the point. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So nice. Zach Hodge, he's our sales guy. He, um, right now, he hits the pavement, cold calls, brings in um, a lot of our business. And then we have Bella. She actually just graduated uh, one of two sculptors at the university, or Bellarmine University, not the University <laughs> of Bellarmine, Bellarmine University. And she oversees kind of our digital art and graphics side of the business. So when it comes Ooh, to creative. YouTube, mm-hmm. very creative. And so she's hit with a lot of um, projects because we're always experimenting. Um, graphic design and content, curating content is, mm-hmm. as you guys know, so important, even yeah. through podcasting. It's like exhausting. Exhausting. Yeah. She's knocking it out of the park because, I mean, I you, you're you in my algorithm. It, it comes I'm up there. all the time. We're there. Like, Me too. This is fantastic. Awesome. I love, love the it. feedback. Any yeah, feedback you it get. is and beautiful. The videos. I'm That's loving her. the videos. That's her. Um, and in fact, I mean, it's seriously, when I get an email and it says Jenny Hearn, I'm like, yes, I'm not kidding. Like, I click on it because I you're giving away so much tangible information that I don't feel like you're, it's not like nickel and diming. It's, nope. it's like not clickbait, click here, and then. $5 to finish the story. It is legit information. I found out the NFL channel in YouTube because of you. Heck yeah. I was like, did you know this? Right. Oh. TikTok, yeah. too. The, Big uh, partnership. Okay. I mean, I'm like, this is great. Oh, yeah. We just yeah. talked about this on the plane yesterday, uh, how there's no way to really get into the NFL and watch it, stream it live because they have so many different... Because it's only in dirt, different markets. So where we were, we were coming home from Chicago, so you can only get, like, the Bears. Yep. And Liam's like, no, I don't want to watch that show. Yeah. Or I don't want to no. watch that game. Mm-hmm. I Go Birds. Not. Just yeah. saying. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. It's like, what? Yeah. So I'm just saying. Oh. That's valuable information. I know. And it, so, no, and that's that's the kind of, uh, that was why, you know, I took the leap of faith to do, to do digital marketing, search engine marketing differently. And I saw that, you know, five years ago, it's still going on. It's the wild, wild west. These search engines, social search engines, whether it's yes. Facebook or Instagram, they're all in these infancy stages. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do you best put your business's foot forward, still staying loyal to your brand, it's, you know, mm-hmm. uncomfortable technology, you know, and it's hard to trust a lot of SEO and digital marketing companies because there's so many shortcuts that are sold, so many people nickeling and diming you. At the end of the day, you're like, I just spent $500. What the heck did I just what, what just happened? Right. And so I think um, for us, it's just delivering that return on investment and, and making sure value is delivered. And that's, I mean, staying true to that is always difficult when you're yeah. like, mm, well, it's hard. I mean, as a, a trust business too. owner and even as just a person, like you want to live in your intentions and you want to like live in your values. And I know that someone who values integrity, like you want to be doing the right thing all the time. And even mm-hmm. when it doesn't align with other things, Things that maybe it might have aligned with a couple of years ago. Yeah. So in your moving forward, and again, like the Wild Wild West, you want to be a great partner. How have you seen your business change in order to stay true to your integrity and your value and yet still be able to put out a product that you're really proud of? 
I think just going, diving in deeper into our processes. So, you know, one, we utilized Zoho, so our CRM system, to really hone into the touches that we can give our clients and be able to pull reporting easier, um, have things that are more seamless so that our, we're almost anticipating what our client's need is before they ask. And so being that not only we're optimizing them, their digital footprint, but then from a business standpoint, really trying to execute on how can we help anticipate their needs, their questions, what they're going to have challenges with this season, this quarter, um, what is there a holiday that's going to have them pivoting? Is there something that we can over deliver on or provide value in that, you know, they asked a question about the last meeting. And so for us, it's been very much learning to be more streamlined in our processes and executing on what we say we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard because as a leader, as a leader, you know, you have to do that first and then your team, you know, follows, le- suits. follows yeah. suits. And so There's a lot of pressure on that delivery. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's, that's been a challenge and certainly a lot of mirrors that are, you know, you kind of see things you want to improve on. And so we're constantly trying to do that in our, in our business. And I, I would say that, from a team, I bet my teams literally, when they're watching this, they're like shaking their head, like, yeah, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. that's what processes yeah. <laughs> because that's all we've talked about. So that's been a big hurdle of just trying to get better there because mm-hmm. if we're better process wise, we hone in on our team's leadership and what we're trying to deliver from a company standpoint, then, you know, those, the results will follow and we won't have to nickel and dime people and we won't have to, you know, charge people this because they're going to come to us because they know that we can serve them in, you know, having success on search engines. And if your team feels committed to the process and they see the results, they're even more apt to be like, all right, guys, we can trust in this. So I, I high five you because that's, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah, Because you're just building the blocks along the way. So you've had a big year. Yes. We talked about this off air. Can you fill our listeners in about how you slightly pivoted and you recently bought out your partner? Yes. Yes. Another pivot. <laughs> I feel like my journey is like a zigzag. It's like one big friends episode. Like pivot. Oh my gosh, it is. <laughs> you are literally like the, the couch. Each, I'm Rachel Green. Yeah, your couch. Like, <laughs> when they give you the graph of what like an entrepreneur looks like and it looks like a giant like mountain, like peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. I'm like, it's Jenna Ahern's life. That is me. Here we go. <laughs> like, and a roller coaster. I mean, dude, you have a megawatt smile the entire yeah, time. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like it's like the little engine that could, you know, you yeah. read your kid that and it's like, I actually like feel like I'm my like life. <laughs> Oh, I'm the little engine. Yeah, try it. I'm making it up. So where did this come about and how did you know that this was the next step? Yeah, so I, you know, I started Gardenale, like I said, in that transition from NetSertive to Cox Automotive. And so I, although majority owner, my business partner, you know, when we started the company, he really, we want. He wanted to sell. I thought that that was kind of okay. I kind of think that that's what I want to do, but I'm. Not, I don't really know. And once you know, we started building it. I took that leap full time into it in 2016, and you know, from that point forward, I, I think that. I really grew up from the ages of 24, you know, to now I'm 31, and the business really grew up and it matured in a way that 
I don't think I would have known to go back and ask myself the questions that I wish I had known before entering that relationship. But it really showed up in a lot of ways from 2016 to 2018, the way, you know, we hired people, the way we invested money, the way, um, you know, personally, we value different things in life. And I think that when you grow fast as a business and you scale the flaws in your business, although that's great that you have success, you really, a, a spotlight is shown into flaws. And I think where, when we tried to grow those flaws or actually lean into them, it was just very evident this wasn't going to work. And it was, a, for me, the scariest thing that I, I mean, it scared the hell out of me to want to make that leap. But I knew that, you know, that was what I needed to do. I thought that, you know, Zach and I were really committed together, my fiance, and making that decision forward. And I felt like it was the only decision forward for Guardian Isle's success and for our clients. And so, um, again, we just saw, just saw, and saw different views and missions for the business. And, there was nothing wrong with that, but I got engaged on August 31st. We kind of t- together were like, all right, let's go. Let's hold hands and get through this. And um, we met with a lawyer and, you know, took those steps forward. And it was he was very reluctant and I understood why. And again, it was. I, I feel like it makes me want to throw up just thinking about it, but Jane, just because of all the emotion Emotions. that came into it, but black and white on paper business, I just knew it staring it staring me in the face. This was the right move. And so making that decision forward, you know, I signed the papers on January 18th. There were um, parts of the deal where certain clients were, you know, sent to him for to service and, you know, we kept... I kept a certain number of clients. And so during that process, you know, clients aren't just little line items on paper. They're human beings. And so I have lawyers, CPAs, you know, very intelligent people. And some of those people served me with some things. And I had some hurdles to overcome as a business. And and as a team, we certainly had our, our hurdles and new processes to put in place. And so I really looked at, you know, January through June as you know, putting out a ton of fires that transpired, the repercussions of taking a step, two steps back in order to take that, those five steps forward, what emotionally you go through as a female, you know, and a CEO now, Mm -hmm. what you have to dig and kind of understand if I'm going to do this and be who I want to be, I have to change and make changes in my life and personally and professionally. And so having to really shine a light on that, lead a team, deal with clients, plan a wedding, it was a lot. And so I felt like now I'm finally, here we are with it. It's almost October. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm over it. Like I'm that little engine that could going back to it. I really feel like, oh my gosh, I'm at the top, you know? And now we're, now it's like, it's that place you didn't think that you were, I I never thought I would, was going to be at on January 18th. And so to get there, it's, I mean, Was well, you're here. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's really it's fun. Yeah. So it's and it's so yeah. cool. It's it's all about just having the right people to to be able to turn to during those times. So yeah. I'm just fortunate and again yeah. to be here sharing this. I'm like, oh, yeah. no. And it's, it's a, a privilege. Going back to like the yeah. leap of faith. Uh, like yeah. you had to just like trust in yourself 
and then your team trusted in you and you could lean on them. And yeah. there's such yeah. a great balance there. And I hope that you realize that because it's definitely transient. Like, I can feel it. Like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. clients. I mean, clients. they saw me. I mean, I remember yeah. one client was like, you know, a mentor of mine was just like, all right, you got to start eating now. Because, I mean, I've lost <laughs> like 20 pounds. And, I mean, I very much internalized. So mm-hmm. when you go back to like your podcast and like the Zen you know, finding yeah. my breath through those days was super difficult. And so that's where, you know, going like to your listeners and to whether it's in business or your life or whatever the challenges are, I mean, it hits everybody differently. And mm-hmm. so for me, I knew, all right, you know, get to that next day, get to get through the day, find joy in the small things, you know, just have gratitude and it'll, you know, results will follow. I think that you know, trusting that myself got hard at times. So sure. it's, yeah, it's, it's fun to be here mm-hmm. and feel yeah. like, all right, I'm through it. Absolutely. <laughs> I think the hardest lesson, I think for anybody, but I, I feel like for females especially is learning to trust your intuition. So, because we like to analyze everything, Girl, yes. we'll make mental spreadsheets on why this is a great idea, why this isn't the right time, why this is all the things knowing full heartedly, we know what the right next move is but it's so difficult to trust yourself that going forward is the motion that needs to happen but in order to do this sometimes you do have to take two steps back or sometimes you step back and there's a pile of shit and you're like well damn it i didn't have time to step in shit today but here i am here i am exactly i'm (laughs) sliding to the next step but now i'm gonna get there (laughs) so it's but realizing you just you just have to trust yourself and the fact that you did and you're here now and it's like I can do it and it is going to be okay. And trusting yourself is why you're able to take that next forward and know that you're not going to get hurt if you fall down. It's, yeah. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, you have to skin your knee sometimes and that's you okay. Know. You'll yeah. get back up and mm-hmm. it stretched my get back up muscle. Yes. I have my nest. It's okay. Yeah, they're amazing. amazing. <laughs> I love that. Um, Absolutely. Love so that. part of what I love about your story, and I read this, I think it might have been like a Style Blueprint article or something, was your story of how you got to UofL to play field hockey. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain stick that's involved. Yeah. Like, can you please share this story? Because I love oh this story gosh. so much. Yeah. So, so my dad was a Division One wrestler, and he was just one of those tough love guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when I took my training wheels off my bike for the first time, I fell, and my dad was like, you're going to get back up there. And I'm yeah. like crying, getting back <laughs> up. You know, so he always definitely pushed me in that regard. And so in the, I'm from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And in Lancaster, that's like field hockey hotspot of the world. So you kind of are like, not at the world, but for me, my universe, the USA right now. (laughs) And so um, I was enrolled in this camp and I was probably about seven years old and it was during the summer. And I mean, there were hundreds of kids at this camp and my parents were always of the mindset, you have to practice your sport before we buy you equipment. We didn't just go and get new equipment. You know, they're public school teachers. You had to almost Mm -hmm. earn that purchase. And so I showed up with my hand-me-down stick from my aunt, who was this Division I field hockey player that I played field hockey with in the backyard. I thought, you know, this is the coolest stick ever. So I show up to this camp. This is an old stick very old like literally from the 70s I mean this is like super super old and so I just remember like feeling like an absolute fool like crying like doing my dribbling drills I wasn't as fast this was my first time actually like competing uh, or like seeing you know how do other girls dribble and so to me uh, all through camp I 
was, you know, my dad would pick me up and I'd be bawling and say, you know, can I purchase a stick? And so, no, I would stay after um, the next morning, show up early, you know, to show my dad that I was, okay, I could get this new stick. And so, despite, you know, make, getting made fun of, I got teased by the, the other girls. I didn't have the right stick and I didn't have, you know, the socks to cover my shin guards. I just, that's how I practiced in the backyard with my brother. And, um, I remember winning a couple accolades, just being like, how the heck did that happen? And the last day walking to the car, he had an Outback Subaru and I saw this stick wrapped up in paper with a sticky note on it. Um, and it was Linda Kreiser. She was just a legend in the field hockey world and she was the person who ran that camp. And so the sticky note said, it's not the, what's in the player, it's not the stick, or it's not what's in the stick, it's what's in the player. And so to me, it was just like, you know, moving forward, I remember, I'll always remember that. And I wish I still had the sticky note because it truly is, you know, you're always going to have bullies. You're always going to have people, even family telling you you can't do things. And, you know, it was a brand new stick. And I had that stick all the way through middle school and, you know, got to UofL. And it was, I mean, that was a dream. I mean, to have, to be a division one athlete from coming from a small town in Lancaster. I mean, it was an absolute dream. So yeah, I mean, I still get choked I up. Know, and I it was like, I still, and so, you know, I mean, I just, you can't let, you know, what other yeah. people say, you know, affect you and just like the little engine that could just smile on your face, control your attitude and wake up and try to make an impact and be better. So that, I mean, that really helped me leaning into that story during the buyout because, yeah. you know, it was, that was a, a milestone in my athletic career. And so to me, leaning into being a CEO and, you know, leveling up professionally, I had to really lean, you know, look back and reflect and lean into that. Yeah. It's really, really tricky. And I love that you're sharing this because I don't always like to draw a like a hard line between male and females, but we are different. So sometimes the way that our story resonates with us, it's going to be different. And mm -hmm. it's because it's hard and you're, you gotta have that grit. And that's not always just so instilled in us and sometimes are the other gender. So you have to kind of learn that along the way. So I love that you're sharing this mm -hmm. because the emotion is real. I know. I feel oh, like so I don't have any bumper stickers on my car, but I would have that bumper I would sticker. So I would have Dennis it. face on a little chain <laughs> and a little stick. <laughs> it's not the stick. I almost asked you, I was like, do you have the stick either? <laughs> no, I don't. And I'm like, uh, and like Linda Kreiser, if you met her, she was just a like a sunshine. I mean, she is sunshine. She is one of the best human beings I've ever met. And so Do you still keep in touch with her? No, I don't. I really, I mean, I should, she, I mean, she probably like raised half of Pennsylvania field hockey players. <laughs> so, um, there were, I mean, just many mentors in my life. Like, I mean, it's, it says Jenny Ahern, but I mean, I feel like with that comes, there's a whole team of people, mentors, clients, and family, yeah. friends, um, you know, acquainted people that have just been a on my journey, just like Linda, that, you know, I wish that I could be in touch with every day, but still very much carry with me. So yeah, it's powerful. <sighs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> it's, so great. it's great. So we like to wrap up with two, two questions. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. This is kind of a new one on the podcast. Um, if you could be any golden girl, who would you be? I know, right? Oh my we ask the really hard things around here. Very tricky. There's no right or wrong. 
you could be a combo. If you would be a combo, you could be a combo of the of the girls. I really, I'm like, I don't know if I can choose a golden girl. I think this is a harder question than like what Sex in the City character are you? Because those no. can be easy, easily identified. But mm-hmm. golden girls, I mean, that's like your core. Like, who do I align with the most? <laughs> you know, that one was tricky. I really don't know where. I think I'm day to day on that one. I was just going to say, I mean, I don't really like Golden Girls. I never, like, that's not my, uh, I'm going to be the first one to say this. I'm like, not, that's not my cup of tea. Like, I watch (gasps) it, but I'm just like. You know, you don't like to eat cheesecake in the middle of the night. I understand. I'm a sex in the city. I go (laughs) to sex in the city. All right. Do you still rewatch them? I know. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So I would be, I'm a cross between Samantha and Carrie. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. that's who I am. Although that she is, um, oh my gosh. Charlotte. Charlotte's, a, no, not Charlotte. Miranda. Miranda mm-hmm. is, I just feel like she's so robotic, like corporate, yeah. like lawyer. I'm like, no, I can resonate yeah. with that. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. where, I, so I, Carrie would be like who I'd yeah. want to be. But so no, that's like my okay, cheesecake. got it. My show. So you're more of like a Cosmo. <laughs> and Seinfeld. Yeah. I like Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld. So, yeah. It's oh, a girl. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I don't go one day without quoting Seinfeld. Okay, well then there it's you go. Literally, like, okay. yeah. it's really sad. I, I mean, I call my my oldest son George Costanza because he has to check out the bathroom wherever he goes. I'm like, okay, George, okay, any yeah. place we go, that's hilarious. George Costanza has to go check out every bathroom. I'm like, yeah. seriously, references every single day. Every day. She's so used to it. She's like, is that a Seinfeld reference? Because I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I watch a lot of Seinfeld. I don't know if I could quote. No. Like it's just a cult. randomly pull them out of nowhere, but I mean. I get them when you throw them. I'm like, oh. <laughs> You're like, I know this. I, I, I know that. I know this. <laughs> I recently read to, or even heard, I, no, I read this, um, that Jerry Seinfeld is now worth close to a billion dollars. Are you serious? Like yes. him as a person or his brand? His as a person. Like, just as a person. Because of I just want to see his garage. Could you imagine? Right. His garage? Like how many cars he oh. has. But he, he has coffee? manifested this crazy career and not one time. a show hate. about nothing. Show about nothing. Yeah. And about not nothing. one time was it like about a, a cuss word or pressing the limits. I just think it was just like such a smart, intelligent way. So intelligent. Uh, I, you know, so I'm like hats off to Jerry. I'm with you. It's it's really kind of a cool way. And he's so authentic and d- never breaks for society's rules. Yeah. Like yeah. where we're at. So I'm, I'm always really, int- I was really intrigued by that. That is fascinating. I, I didn't know that, but. I'm glad that you bring that to the table, Brittany. Sometimes I read. Sometimes I read. <laughs> so I butchered that question. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to give you a softie. It's a new question, so, you know, we've got to feel them out. All right, I'm going to give you a softie. Okay. What's your favorite emoji? Which I, This is my favorite question we've ever asked because, I mean, because it's so it's, situational. Yeah. I My laugh, I, it's so boring, but laugh emoji. I use that all the time. <laughs> the that has to be my favorite. Like, yeah, crying. Yeah. Like, I always use that. So I feel like if I always use it, is that my favorite? Because that would be my favorite. Oh, which one brings you the most happiness? You're like, oh, I nailed that. Oh, God. I feel like that's the gifts. I feel like the oh, gifts the, bring me the most yes. joy. I'm like, and I love like I know so cool. from Parks and Rec. Like, that's who I use. Like, she's my. That's guest. who I use. That's who my girl is. Like, <laughs> I use that one. Yeah. So that's like, that's who. Can I do that? Can I do a Leslie note? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can totally. Um, yes. Oh, what's yeah. this? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Her her husband slash boyfriend. Ben. Yeah, Ben, giving the, the side wink <laughs> back. That's my favorite gift ever. Like, you can use it all day, every day. Yeah, it just like, works. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, that's my, it's, that's my next step emoji. 
Yeah. Excellent. We love it. After, usually <laughs> after like 8 p.m., we only talk only back and forth in gifts. Yeah. Like, it's easier. It's brain easier. can't work. We, right. we have shut down. Yeah. I can no longer text COVID. Someone else like, can say exactly words. what I need to say better than I can. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. That's yeah. best friends. It is. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. Just <laughs> mind melt. You mind it. melt. Love it. Well, Jenna, thank you so much oh. for coming on the show. And if people want to follow you or get in touch with you, how would they do so? Well, guardianaldigital.com is our website. If you want to follow me, you can follow Jenna underscore Ahern, A-H-E-R-N. Um, and, yeah, I think that that's Jenna Ahern. On LinkedIn, where the, I'm there. I'm you're, you're on, and you're on the interwebs. I'm on the interwebs. Just Google, <laughs> Google it, right? Yeah. Hopefully, you find us. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Oh, and ours and friends. Thank you for being here. Yes, we appreciate you. And as always, if you want to chat with us, you can send us an email at getzen at crazyzenlife.com or follow us on the Instagrams. And the Facebooks. And the Facebooks. We're Crazy Zen Life on both. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your time with us. Help keep the CZL momentum going by rating our podcast and writing a review. If you love what you heard in today's episode, snap a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag us.